passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the new featherweight champion and the featherweight Grand Prix winner, Mr. A.J. McKee. A.J., you just stopped a guy that has been the champion since you have been fighting in this cage. What does it feel like? Man, all my dreams coming true. It's amazing. Um, we're not done. This is just the beginning. So we're getting started. I'm looking forward to holding this baby for the rest of my life. It ain't going nowhere. And we are live with our Bellator 263 post show. I'm John Pollock, along with Phil Talk and Eric Marcotte. Just moments after Bellator crowned a new featherweight champion, a featherweight Grand Prix winner, million-dollar winner, A.J. McKee. What a moment. Incredible. Incredible. I think this wow, is maybe fun. the biggest moment in Bellator history that I th- that we just watched. Like when you look at the substance of what this means and what potentially they have in such a superstar in AJ McKee, that was incredible. I don't I don't it, think you could have put together a better performance in terms of skyrocketing AJ McKee into the biggest star that Bellator has. If you mean the biggest moment in Bellator's history in, in a positive sense, I agree <laughs> yes. with you 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think a positive moment in Bellator history. This this certainly was. But um, let me just start with you, Eric, because we're going to get right into this main event. I don't know if any of us could have. It seemed like this was a fight that a lot of people, including Josh Thompson and Ryan Bader, could not make a prediction for. Like this was a very hard fight to call. And they they refrained from even making picks on the desk. But that was the general sentiment all week. I did not see strong arguments either way because I think people just looked at this like there are too many different ways this fight could go. Definitely. And with both guys having so much knockout power, creative submissions, it felt going into this like this is a fight that could end at any moment, even regardless of their skill sets of the fight playing out throughout 25 minutes. And well, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Yeah, like in some ways, Phil, like I tweeted about this, like I really had a flashback to Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo, not just like the featherweights, but also like what it represented taking on like the longtime star of this featherweight division. And while that fight was shorter, in many ways, it like the first, I would say, 90 seconds of this fight, it was just the two of them sizing one another up. This fight came down to pretty much a 20 second interval 
that was only extended because AJ McKee thought this fight was over when it was not. And this could have proved to be uh, a, a fatal error for him in this fight, but then locked on that guillotine. Yeah, it was, I mean, McKee took the center of the uh, cage right away and uh, clearly wanted to uh, establish that position. But the fight was at range. Uh, I think there was like a couple of leg kicks and not much else. And then, as you said, a big burst uh, for a few seconds after McKee lands an incredible head kick and then thinks it's over, dives on a guillotine, uh, finishes him there. Um yeah, a, a pretty exciting moment, and and I can understand the comparison to that McGregor win. Do you think, uh, Eric, just looking at AJ McKee, like this, it just feels like this This was a big fight. It had a lot of buzz attached to it, and this is the first time Bellator feels like they truly have a star. Like, we can look at Michael Chandler and Eddie Alvarez. This feels like something different, potentially. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, just the crowd reaction when he won tonight was, was incredible. Massive. Incredible. I think that comparison to Conor Ronaldo, obviously at a much smaller scale and or level than that, with that being like the biggest fighter in UFC history versus a top five fighter in the history of the sport. Right. But this is very much the Bellator, equi- Bellator equivalent. And I, th- I think has it's a ton of potential. I think where the similarity lies is that, you know, in fight sports, you try to line things up and they don't really work out. And in this case, Showtime and uh, uh, Bellator set it up for the optimal result. It was for McKee to win in spectacular fashion. Not to say that they were counting Pitbull out or wouldn't be happy with him, you know, continuing to be a great champion. But just, you know, McKee is a superstar, you know, was a superstar on the verge of birth. And now here he is a superstar because of this. And I think in that regard, that's where the comparison is apt. And you kept bringing this up, Phil. What, uh, like, I think tonight it's, it goes down as a very significant moment in Bellator history. But it also, to me, was the biggest um, proof of like this Showtime, the muscle that Showtime can provide like all night long tonight. It just felt they were building and building towards this main event. And that capped off like weeks of promotion for this fight. And you can see like Showtime, they know how to build up big fights and they were able to take this, this unique situation of the big fight getting to the finals. And how do we get it to mass interest uh, by the scales of a Bellator? Like it would be, you know, we can't really compare viewership figures of Showtime. That's a subscription network to like ESPN proper. But like you heard that roar in this crowd, like that was a palpable buzz that AJ McKee has. And it just feels like this, this is the first truly homegrown superstar that Bellator has. And I would never have said Michael Chandler, or Eddie Alvarez made it to superstar level that it feels that AJ McKee might be on the cusp of or just actually became tonight yeah there's definitely some fighters through there throughout the years that they've tried to do the push with and uh, to varying degrees of success but i think this is the closest they've came to a guy who might just get to that mainstream level and that's 26 years old like we're not talking about somebody that is you know like this tail end of his career or anything like this is somebody that my god it's just it, it seems like there is so much um at their disposal here with them and not too far in the distance is the idea that was thrown out by AJ McKee this week of 
fighting Pitbull again at lightweight because that is one thing that tonight, um, like I think there's a novelty, a, a big interest in just seeing AJ McKee fight, but it's also finding those really interesting opponents and a, a second Pitbull fight at lightweight. I think just because of the shocking outcome of tonight, it would draw that interest. Yeah, I think that's probably where they're going to go next, honestly, that lightweight uh, title rematch. But if that's not where they go, there's still plenty of options. You know, you can do it again at Featherweight or uh, Mads we'll get Burnell to it later, is, but Mads uh, Burnell is yeah. right there. He's right there. What do you think, Phil? Like, what, what, what interests you? Like, how do you look at AJ McKee? Like, his next fight, it should be marketed as, like, this, this big coming out party for him after this. Uh, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you definitely need to promote him. I, I think an, a Pitbull fight at lightweight makes some sense. Uh, you know, a, a fight against somebody else featured on this card, uh, makes sense as well because, uh, it, it was such a successful card, I think. Um, but you definitely have this star power potential. And the, the thing with Bellator is they are short on names. And Pitbull mm-hmm. is a name, so um, you kind of want to maximize this while you have it available to you. Um, and it is another belt, a, a chance to make him like this champ champ status. Um, so uh, I, I would go with that. But down the line, um, I, I'm not so sure. But uh, it's okay if, if, if not every single fight is the you know the top the most top level opponent because. Uh, this is sort of the, just the start of introducing him to audiences. You know, when you're looking at just like what is going to garner the most amount of interest, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a guy that just won the featherweight title to do this fight next. But I think for mass interest, it would is he goes up to lightweight, but before Patricio, he fights Patricio first. Oh, yeah. You're and right. Then you get, you're right. And then you've uh, and then you get patricio afterward like those to me represent the biggest fights for aj mckee more so than what is there at the featherweight division for him like uh, personally i would love to see an aj mckee emmanuel sanchez fight but emmanuel sanchez didn't win tonight so i mean mads burnell is one of those options um and he's gonna jump up in the rankings after this win tonight but uh this is you know a good problem to have but i think like the the feud with the pitbulls is probably like a lot of people were exposed to this fight tonight to this promotion and i think you do a fight with either of them next uh you'll bring this audience back and maybe grow it some as well and and yeah, josh thompson ahead, did yeah josh thompson did suggest that uh in the post fight sort of analysis there and uh so it it seems like you know that's already in the bellator ether and that is probably eric i think how scott coker's mind will will work as well like <laughs> scott coker is yes. i think very savvy to to this stuff and and matchmaking like tonight did, did you get any kind of like throwback to like a big strike force card cuz that's kind of by the main event that's what it kind of felt like for these are two legitimate non-UFC stars. And man, this crowd, it felt like uh, San Jose in the heyday of Strike Force for the buzz for that main event. Well, I didn't necessarily get a throwback to Strike Force because Oh wait, I was were you like born by the 11. time Strike Force? <laughs> I, was, I was in I was like eleven when Strike Force folded, but oh, yeah. But what were you saying about that being Scott Coker's kind of uh, matchmaking strategy? 100%, yes. And it makes zero sense. Patricky is coming off of a loss, too. Like, 
a big cut stoppage in the second. It makes zero sense, but that, that's probably where they'll go to build that feud up. I can see it already. Um, Phil, what, what, when you're looking at Patricio, it's not a whole lot that we have to, to gauge from, from this fight, but the fact that he was submitted the first time in his career, this goes a minute 57. I mean, did you take much out of Patricio or was this just a, ca- a case of that head kick caught him and he was rocked and that's going to happen? Um, I, no, I think there's more to take from that because, uh, as I mentioned before, and as big John mentioned in the fight, you know, McKee took the center of the cage immediately and established himself there. He, he wasn't at all intimidated and he wasn't overly aggressive in the way he approached this fight as Mm -hmm. well. So, uh, you know, he kind of fought optimally and beat him when they're both smaller so and he looked much bigger than him as well so when if they were to go up in weight i don't really see it being too different uh and the fact that the fight that he didn't show too much is actually the one thing that makes another fight sort of hard to swallow it's like we didn't really see anything out of you so how are you going to sell this next fight which is maybe why they do the brother first so um, for, uh, Pitbull, I mean, I'm sure he wants to get it back from his view. You know, he, it's probably, a, you know, he views it. He just got KO'd quick and, you know, jumped on the neck. But, uh, I think I'll, we see it a little bit differently than that. Um, he's going to want to get right back at it. Um, I, I don't think that's the best course of action. Take some time off and yeah, see how it plays out. And it, it, to me, like it, it really sent a loud statement when he had that moment where he thinks the fight's over. It's not. And he doesn't just go back to strikes, even though he's rocked. It's like he clamps on a guillotine to submit him, like leaving no doubt. I thought it was like, it just was like a big statement victory for AJ McKee, the, the entire thing. And going on to the submission is something that backfires at times, but he just sunk We see that, that happen right a lot in those situations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, I was just thinking in the moment, like, my God, this is like, he had him finished. And this could be one of those where Pitbull just rocks him out of nowhere as they just start uh, swinging. But I mean, it turned out uh, very effective for AJ McKee. Um, It was, uh, to me, it was only a minute 57, but I think like this will be an all time highlight fight for Bellator history. And it very well could be the night that they launched a superstar in AJ McKee, not overnight either. Like this was, th- th- this was a big success of Bellator just starting this guy from the ground up and he had to go out. He had to win fights. They brought him along at a very careful pace. And then as you said on Thursday, Eric, like he went through a murderer's row in this ga- in this featherweight Grand Prix. Both of them did. These were significant fights for AJ McKee's maturation and it culminated in the biggest win of his career tonight. So it was like th- this to me was like the biggest success of Scott Coker's Bellator era is AJ McKee. I think that's pretty fair. These got both of them, Pitbull as well. He faced, like you yep. said, a murderer's row. There were no easy fights to get here. So this wasn't like McKee's first big test or anything, but he still passed the flying colors. Patricio Pitbull is probably the fighter who's most synonymous with Bellator MMA at this point. I, I think we've been, we've been over that. So for that to be the guy he knocked out or submitted technically here to win the title, that just makes this all the more bigger. And I'd be I'd be very cautious for anyone to 
write off uh, Patricio a- after this. Like, I, I would certainly mm. not be yeah. uh, looking at that at all of just the way this fight played out. I think there's a lot of interest to see uh, Patricio. Like, he's 34, but I, th- I think that this is still somebody that has a lot of quality fights ahead of him. For Agreed. sure. Well, let's let's chat a little bit about the other fights. Uh, so much was centered around the main event. But prior to that, um, I thought this was a really great fight. Also at featherweight between Emmanuel Sanchez and Mads Burnell. And the scores came out 30-27, 30-27, and 29-28 for Mads Burnell. And you had... Well, what do you think, Eric, of, you know, this is very different from UFC where you will have, you know, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier largely guessing the, the scores. But this is like you have John McCarthy, who I think is very much the authority for a lot of people when it comes to scoring. And he's giving his card throughout the the event. Do you like that aspect? This has always been a trait for Bellator, even when it was Jimmy Smith in that role. I actually do like it, even when I, you know, disagree with him or, or think mm-hmm. whoever is giving the scorecards insane. I like that they're open and honest. Moro as well. He'll be very, he might not score the fights, but he's very honest about what he thinks ha- is happening. If it's a dull fight, whatever, he will speak his mind. And I do like that about Bellator's commentary team. I, I loved when the, the stats came up after this. He's like, damage. That's what we're looking for here. Damage. Look at all those strikes he landed. Moro um, had a lot of moments on this card. He was oh, very funny. Oh, dude, he had some very good lines on this. Um, I, I won't go through like all the play-by-play of this, but I, I had it 29-28 for Sanchez. I thought he definitely won the first round. I thought the second, I thought what, I thought, a lo- I think if you had flipped this around and it had been Burnell controlling the first half and then it was Sanchez landing all his strikes in the second half of the round, I think that would have had more of an impact on people. But uh, Burnell got that round, and I can concede that was a very close round, and I gave the third to Burnell. Uh, What was your card, Phil? I had uh, one and two for Sanchez and three for Burnell. I just found that the takedowns that Burnell was able to secure, he didn't really do much with. But in the third round, he was able to secure the position long enough that I gave it to him. Um, but the the thirty twenty sevens like they, they were that's wild. Like that first round to me was like that was a that that round Sanchez landed forty six of one hundred and twenty five strikes throwing. Yes, yes, he missed a lot, but he still connected with forty six significant strikes in that opening round. So I I could not agree. With, I, I can take a twenty nine twenty eight Burnell card. Thirty twenty seven to me was was uh, tough to see those two. But Eric, did you uh, did you have a thirty twenty seven for Mads Burnell? I did not. I scored it the same way as both of you, uh, 29-28 for Sanchez. I think 29-28 for Burnell is completely fair. I was really yep. struggling with that second round. Yep. But yeah, those those 30-27s were something else. Hey, that being said, we we jumped straight to the score and we glossed over the fact that this was like an incredible fight. Like It was tremendous. The first two rounds, these guys were fighting that. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I, I did not watch the, the, the prelims, but of the the main yeah. card fights like that first round was the round of the night for me. It was outstanding. Um, just Sanchez came out and his volume immediately was just unbelievable. And Brunel was trying to match him. Um, and he just realized like the, the need for the takedowns and he would score seven of them throughout the course of the fight. Uh, we got uh, the big line of this fight. Eric was Sanchez is attacking the body. Like it's full of candy. Gold. Some great stuff here. Uh, and then the, the third was really, it was it was Brunel's round where he really um, 
mitigated the striking of Sanchez. But I mean, I, I was very impressed with Emmanuel Sanchez, even in defeat here. I thought he, I thought he won the fight and I thought he had a great performance. He's a super exciting featherweight who, I mean, in, in a weird roundabout way, um, it's it's unfortunate he was on the wrong end of this decision because after those two losses to Pitbull, I mean, a strong win here for Sanchez, especially in this exciting fight. I think we would be talking more about his name in that mix of being a potential opponent for AJ McKee. Oh yeah, Emmanuel Sanchez versus AJ McKee could be a ton of fun. But honestly, Silken Mads Burnell, this wasn't his most impressive performance, but he's a he's a really solid fighter himself. Usman Nurmagomedov, the cousin of Khabib, who was uh, front and center tonight. He was cornering three fighters. He went 3-0 and uh, in his Bellator shirt. A fashionable man. Yeah, I would be very curious. I, was, I wonder if uh, Dana White was texting. He's like, hey, I've got another fight idea. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think Khabib's probably gotten a text from Dana like every day for the past year or so. I bet he's blocked him by now. Um, <laughs> Usman Nurmagomedov, he's undefeated, 12-0, taking on Manny Murrow, who has not lost in Bellator. He's a 34-year-old fighter with uh, Jackson Winklejohn and beat Nick Newell uh, back in 2019 by split decision. So he has won his last three fights coming into this. And Usman just took him down. He was sneaking in shots from behind, got the full mount, then had his back in. And they get back to the feet, and Usman hits him with the knee from hell. And Murrow collapses. It was so violent the way this guy went down. Like he was lifeless. I, I, I could have bought that it was. I, I knew instantly. I'm like he either wrecked his liver or his testicles are gone. That was my immediate <laughs> thought here. And the replay clearly showed completely clean knee. wasn't uh, It was just a beautiful shot. And this dude was done. Three thirty of the first round. He was a minus, like, what, 1,000 oh, He was like minus 1,000 at one point this week. So. I mean, he was by far the biggest favorite on this show. He, he lived up to those odds. He was impressive in his Bellator debut. Like, he looked really sharp on the feet, but he showed a lot more power here. Everything he landed looked hard. And from, like, the opening seconds of the fight, you knew how this one was going. Phil, you weren't putting any cash down on Manny Murrow? Uh, no, I was not putting any cash down on Manny Muro, but really we got to talk about, uh, uh, Habib, you know, on the fast track to be coach of the year along, you know, just shortly after, you know, retiring as number one pound for pound, like incredible. Imagine he gets a, a, I don't know if he'll be able to do a coach of the year this year, but I mean, he's really establishing his, his post career plans. And I think anyone that has listened to him. This has always been the plan for him was to retire and uh, see his, his students surpass him and move over to a coaching role. So, I mean, it's uh, th- this is like the next chapter of his career as he fields uh, crazy ideas at 3 a.m. from Dana White via text <laughs> message. <laughs> Former lightweight champion Brent Primus took on Islam Mamadov. This was another lightweight fight. And they went three rounds here, and this this is the one I, I am most curious about your scores because uh, John McCarthy scored this 29-28 for Primus, and he believed the first two rounds were Primus was just so active off of his back, and he was doing all of the damage, and Mamadov was being pretty much negated on on top, even though he had taken him down. 
I agreed with John McCarthy in round two. Round one, I I thought Mamadov did enough in this round to win. And I had Mamadov winning 29-28 overall. But this was one where I saw scores all over the place for this. It ended up with Mamadov getting the win by split decision uh, with one one judge scoring it 29-28 for Brent Primus. But um, where, where did you fall on this one, Phil? I had it the same way as you did. I mean, I was even torn on the second. Like, I could have had this 30-27 for Mamadov, even though, yes, Primus was active off the bottom. But if we go back to what Big John was saying, or or moral damage, uh, you know, there wasn't much damage being done off the bottom. And the control was... It's like a lot of rubber guard work he was doing. Like, he was being very active, but... Yes. I mean, he never threatened with any Omoplata. His Kimura was never a threat. Um, I just, it was, t- to me in the second, he was landing some elbows and Mamadov was just doing so little that I didn't mm. give that round to Primus. But yeah, to your point, like um, he was he was moving. He was the more active fighter, but I, I didn't see a whole lot of uh, of scoring with any kind of damage. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and uh, you know, to be fair, he wasn't doing too much damage himself, which is what made it, no. you know, hard to con- hard to score. But because he just controlled the position so much and essentially established his will in that regard, I I, I gave it to him. But I did give round two as well, like I said, uh, to premise, even though I was torn on it. Eric, is this where you tell us you you had premise just running away with this? I did score the fight for Primus, actually. Okay, that's fine. Like, yeah, I, I think this is, a, this is a worthwhile uh, yeah. debate about scoring this because I, I think you can have difficulty with some of these rounds, for sure. It was tough, though, because uh, on one hand, you had Mamadov, who was who had the top position but was doing practically nothing. He did zero damage, threatened zero submissions. And then you had Primus, who was trying to do things but was unsuccessful with pretty much everything. So I had no issues with any of the scorecards. This wasn't which, a good which, fight. Which rounds did you have for premise? I scored the first two for premise. Gotcha. Well, um, yeah, it, to, it to me was it wasn't a fight that really, um, you know, Mamadov was making his uh, Bellator debut here, and again, this was one of uh, Khabib's fighters here, so uh, another win for him. And you might be familiar with Mamadov from fighting in a World Series and PFL for a number of years, uh, where he was coming over here as well. But the main card opened up with Goichi Yamauchi and undefeated Chris Gonzalez at lightweight. And this was uh, quite the performance here where Yamauchi got to showcase his striking skills. He came in early on and was uh, landed an uppercut and then was mixing up his combinations. But it was a right hand that stunned Gonzalez and a follow-up that dropped him. And Yamauchi finished him with strikes at 353 of the first round, winning by TKO. And then he explained that the more grappling he trains, the more striking comes into play in my fights. Because when I'm matched with grapplers, it cancels each other out because we respect each other's ground game. So this is like the algorithm that has led to (laughs) Gochi Yamauchi, prize striker, emerging in front of our eyes as he improves to 26 and 5. This guy, this was his 17th fight with Bellator since 2013. Yeah, I mean, he's won pretty much all of his fights by submission. He had only one other win in his entire career by knockout. I couldn't believe this. 
if anybody cashed in on uh, yeah, Yamauchi what was the prop on first this? round, first round stoppage oh by strikes for Goichi Yamauchi. I, I but think it, he... it wasn't like a fluke knockout or anything. I no, mean, no, no, no. He... Yeah, he looked really good. Yeah, yeah Gonzalez like kept you know trying to get in there with some shots, but had nothing for him. It looked like there was no way for him to gain entry uh, or, or get anything off. And then yeah, Yamauchi just sort of like timed it right you know measured him for a bit nailed it and yeah finished him clean it was it was uh, pretty impressive this this was my favorite one of the night eric the lion sleeps tonight <laughs> as yamauchi delivers chris the lion gonzalez his first professional defeat that oh, was just, the, just nothing taught that for me tonight not the aqua reference everyone was so sure you'd be uh what was you it? You know what? Uh, I missed the, the Aqua reference, so I did. I oh, didn't even catch it was that from one. the prelims. It was from the Jones fight, the Joshua oh, the Jones. Doctor Jones. Yes, yes, there was a Doctor Jones reference. Well, the the prelims here we had uh, Brian Moore defeating Jordan Winsky by unanimous decision. Georgie Karahanian, who has moved up to lightweight, submitting Kiefer Crosby in four twenty five of the first. Joshua Jones beat Johnny Cisneros by TKO at four fifteen of the second. Kassan Magomed Sharapov, who is the 20-year-old brother of Zabit, defeating Jonathan Kiros by TKO at 421 of the second. Gaji Rabadanov over Daniel Carey by knockout. And Vanessa Porto earning a split decision against Alara Joanne. Uh, did you guys both watch the prelims? And what were... I, I saw a little bit of this. I saw uh, Rabadanov's knockout of Daniel Carey. That was uh, very impressive, but... Uh, the majority of this I did not see. Yeah, I caught all the prelims. Uh, Rabadanov and Magomed Sharipov were probably your highlights. If you're going to go back and check anything out, those are the ones. Especially, especially uh, Magomed Sharipov. He looked uh, unbelievable for his age. Yeah, 20 years old. I mean, he's yeah. certainly somebody to watch. And with that last name, he's going to get a lot of added attention for, for sure. So... I thought a, a really big night for Bellator. They also were promoting. Uh, we were kind of curious to see, like, what would they announce? They were plugging their next card for August 13th. Uh, the countdown is on for Gegard Mousasi versus John Salter. And then the remainder of their light heavyweight Grand Prix that's going to be happening October 16th, I think is what they announced here, where it'll be Vadim Nemkov defending the light heavyweight title against Anthony Johnson. And then we've got Corey Anderson versus Ryan Bader, which led to, I guess their intention was to create a very awkward moment on the desk. They achieved that. Uh, <laughs> I can't say they really added anything to this fight other than Ryan Bader. Like, who did you really beat anyway? And Corey Anderson then talking about... um Everyone knows ACB, and uh, these guys are really good. That, uh, the, including this guy I just beat. Bear's like, cool. We're gonna fight in October. <laughs> like, okay, Th this was an idea. This was an idea that the producers had. I don't know if it was executed quite to perfection. <laughs> you needed a bit of Bellator, just you know, Bellatoring on this card. It couldn't just, it couldn't go off without a hitch. That, that's never how these cards go. What What do you like, Eric? About like the Bellator broadcast specifically like differences from like an ESPN UFC broadcast, like what, what works, what doesn't work for you? Oh, wow. What do I like? Uh, uh, I, I think I prefer everything about the UFC broadcast in all honesty, everything, the pacing. I like the walkouts more. I like 
I like how they fill time more even. I, I'm not a fan of Bellator's typical setup. I thought the pacing was pretty good tonight of like the five fights. Like we didn't have like too much downtime in between fights. But by the end of it, I mean, it largely worked out to what, two, two and a half hours for five fights. So it was probably on par with what, what you would get for maybe a little under a UFC pay-per-view length. That's accurate, but like the uh, the gap between so the, throughout the first four fights, I actually would agree the pacing was much better than the typical Bellator show. But the time in between the co-main event and the main event was just absolutely brutal for me. We had the Tyron Woodley interview; they were promoting uh, that. Mm, the, the oh Jake man! Ball fight. Uh, what what what's had... your level of interest for that, Phil? I I guess I'm slightly more interested than the Ben Askren one or less interested. I mean, it's, I guess, right around that level. I'm not super excited about that. Like, it's not something that I'm eagerly looking forward to because it's not like either of these guys are elite boxers. Uh, But the spectacle of it all, the fact it's another one of these Showtime events, it's on a Sunday, which is more convenient, I think, for me for this type of thing because I'm not invested in it. Um, so uh, I think it's one of those things that as the week builds for that fight, there's going to be a lot more interest because people are just going to be talking about it. And, you know, even if it's just to have a laugh, uh, people are, are going to get into it. And I think the fact that it's on Showtime, as you mentioned, you know, how good they are at promoting. And also, look, I mean, now Showtime's mixing in this, Jake Paul stuff. They're mixing in their other boxing promotion, right? They're tying all of these things together. So, you know, it's kind of elevating Bellator, right? All these eyeballs on Jake Paul. So, uh, it, it, so there is some interest there, but it's not like it's some competitive fight that I really care about the the result of. I, I think this is a more interesting fight than the Ben Askren fight. I think it's. I also like that this is going to be on Showtime as opposed to Triller. I I don't need to go through the circus again uh, of Triller. That was like mm-hmm. that was a night that we all spent watching Triller. I really have no desire to revisit that that format again. But I, I am curious to see how how much interest there is for for this fight uh, compared to the last one uh, with with Askren because in theory it's it's a step up from Ben Askren and what does the staying power for Jake Paul have with, with his audience. So that's, I, I mean, it's going to be a, a very heavily promoted fight this month. That's the fight that, uh, the type of fight that Eric loves, no doubt. I think um, it will be heavily promoted. Um, I am also glad that it's not on Triller because that was, that was just absolutely ludicrous. And the fights that they're, they're trying to promote, uh, like it's just all over the place. Like they're going to do Oscar versus Vitor. Like it's, 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 you don't really want to be involved with that. Even though this is not like some athletic, you know, top level athletics, uh, it, it's still going to be free of those, uh, bizarre musical performances and certainly bizarre, um, cameos from, uh, former uh fighters uh just looking uh, a bit at the the ufc card the main thing was sean strickland defeating uriah hall by unanimous decision and uh cheyenne bays knocking out or winning by tko with a head kick to gloria de paula because this this card got decimated uh henny uh Rene yaya tested positive for covid so 
that was the number two fight on this card. So that was lost. And this one ended up with uh, 10 fights by the end of it. So I'm curious how many fights we'll have by, by next Saturday for this pay-per-view, which currently stands at 13. Uh, and that is after the loss of Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. Hey, 10 fights is like the perfect length. for. Everybody. I agree with so. you. I think 10 <laughs> is a perfect amount. I, I say this a million times. Nobody that sits through 10 fights is saying at the end, God, I wish I had three more fights to watch. It's a perfectly 100%. acceptable length of fights for most people. Five prelims, five main card fights. Perfect. That's it. Take us back to 2006. It was a great time. <laughs> wait, wait, give us prelims that we got to buy a DVD to watch three months down the road. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how you can and, see. And don't forget about the post limbs. We need to bring those back. Post limbs. Very, very underrated <laughs> uh, promotional tactic. Um, but let's just quickly look at the, the, the main card, at least for uh, 265 next weekend. Uh, they have, it'll open up with a uh, song. Yadong versus Casey Kenny at 135 pounds. They have put Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill on the pay-per-view. Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. I think that's an awesome fight at welterweight. Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. And of course, it all builds up to the most prestigious championship that we are going to see contested. It is the interim <laughs> King of Houston championship as Derek Lewis def- uh, is going to try to become the King of Houston against non-Houston native Cyril Gone. This is the championship that is holding up this, this pay-per-view. So I'm so excited for the, the interim heavyweight title to be distributed next Saturday night. Because this time next week, guys, we will have an interim heavyweight champion. Oh, so exciting! Thankfully, thankfully, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been so, I've been filled with so much consternation over the future state of this heavyweight championship. What are they going to do with it? Where is it going to go? Who's the real champion? Who knows? I mean, Francis Ngannou's just been injured for so many years now that it's it was time to move on. It's been years since we've seen Francis Ngannou fight. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you got to move on with this division. I mean, this guy that's, uh, you know, you win this title in March. I mean, come on, it's it's August. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that interim title in here. Oh, you want to um, fight in September? Well, that doesn't work for us, brother. That's 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 how it works. What oh, what, what is the fight that stands out the most to you, Eric? Uh, Jose Aldo and Pedro Munoz, 100%. That should be really good. There, there, there's some good prelims uh, as well on this. Uh Bobby Green and Raphael Fiziv. Uh, Fiziv, I think. Fiziv, yes. Yeah. That's a yeah, good that fight. Is, that's, that's really, really good. good yeah. So I think the top, the top, you know, eight fights on here are are really good. Um, it, it's a good card. It just you know lacks a proper pay per view headliner. Yes. Well, there we go, everyone. That is, uh, we are going to be back next Saturday night with a UFC 265 post show. We'll have all the breakdowns. Maybe, maybe we'll go through all the greatest interim champions in history and we'll rank where Derek Lewis or Cyril Gaon has the potential to raise their stock. <laughs> I, I love that plan. I love that. You know, Henan Barrow, it was his interim reign was always my favorite. That oh, was, he's uh, top tier. No doubt about he's it. He's got to be top tier. Yes. The greatest interim champion of all time. Yeah all right we're gonna wrap things up thanks to everybody uh for checking out the preview show this past uh, thursday just and- ju- just one uh reminder john that we have this wonderful uh limited oh, edition i'm gonna tee it up Phil. Don't don't worry. Worry. I'm, I'm oh okay i don't know i'm sorry you were closing the show i was just like oh, i don't know no, no, no. I, I was closing the show i was moving on to the main event which is stored okay. on postwrestling.com where no word of a lie 
one of the one of the hottest starts we have ever seen to a shirt. This is the Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo of shirt <laughs> sales that have just come out of the gate and just blown us away with the numbers because uh, AJ McKee might establish himself as a big draw. What we know today, Eric Marcotte, very much a draw. Uh, yes, uh, a sincere thank you to everyone who's purchased one of these shirts. I have been uh, blown away by your by your. I, I want to see these showing up on broadcasts. Okay, I want to see. I want to see some representation at. Uh, we'll give people a pass because of delivery, but come come two sixty six in September. I, I just want to see a a sea of Eric Marcotte shirts. And people online freaking out that everyone that Bellator has uh, has blanketed this this uh, this entire arena with shirts. Oh yeah, Inc- an incredible design from one uh, Dickie Bird. Hey, we missed. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, crowd behavior, this was actually noted on the broadcast at the beginning of the show. Morrow had stated mm. that. Thousands of people here because this is this is in Inglewood, California, where in theory there's a mandated uh, there's a mask mandate for indoor events and saying there are thousands of masked fans here in attendance. And you could see all of these people who had clearly forgotten their masks. And I guess Morrow got uh, tons of messages about this because later in the broadcast, he brought it up and said, I know we. I said this at the beginning of the broadcast. Clearly, not being enforced that much. Like, wow, that was his moral, just putting his foot down. And uh, yeah, I mean that really does show you like the the enforcement is is probably not all that of at least not for this event. It wasn't because you could see these crowd shots like not a whole lot of masks in California. No, not a surprise, but a very funny line from Moro. <laughs> yes, he did give the update. He's like, hey, I tried. Um, but Phil, where uh, where can we send people? For you, well, of for Eric, for everything. Yes, yes, yes. So, of course, once again, you can get that shirt at store.postwrestling.com. And that's thanks to Dickie Bird. Uh, you can join the Discord. And a special announcement, uh, we have lacked an Intercontinental Channel Champion in the Discord for some time now and there will be a special announcement about the future of the discord championship and that will be happening on dicky bird's monday twitch tv stream of his post wrestling xcom and so you tune into that everybody at twitch tv dicky bird you can see the graphic and the uh the dress here and you will find out the future of the post discord championship at that time uh, uh, so tune in then Monday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern on Twitch TV, and uh, it's the best show on Monday nights. So tune in to find out what happens with uh, the future of the post wrestling Discord Championship. Wow, Are, is it going to be an interim championship? <laughs> this, no, it will not. There will not be an interim championship. I can assure everybody that there will not be an interim championship. Yes. When we get an interim championship for a vacant belt, that will be the day. That. <laughs> yes, because yes. you got to respect the vacancy's ability to defend a title within a certain amount of time, too. Uh, Eric, what do you have going on? Uh, we will have a, a report up on Bellator momentarily on the site. <laughs> yep, uh, by tomorrow, I'll have a report up on the UFC show as well. And if you tune in to Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure from this week... I am the uh, the featured guest, or however you want to say it, and we spend a couple hours talking about CM Punk. 
the uh, Best in the World documentary from 2012, as well as the Money in the Bank match from 2011 against John Cena, his uh, brief run in MMA, his future perhaps in AEW, and we even get in some uh, Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington discussion. Wow. So check that well, out. Th- very fitting because after after AEW sold over 10,000 tickets uh, for the United Center on Friday, Kind of forgotten about when Eric Marcotte's uh, t-shirt sales uh, got got out there. I mean, the the real draw here, Eric Marcotte. So very appropriate that you were on that show with Martin Bushby and Andrew Thompson. So go check out that show up at postwrestling.com. And breaking news, folks, Eric Marcotte is going to miss a UFC pay-per-view next Saturday. I'm stunned. Is this the first pay-per-view you have missed in years, Eric? Yes, it is. Uh, the first I've missed since... Uh, 2016, I think. But wow. I'm just gonna watch it a couple hours later, so I'm I'm not really missing that guy's. Gonna be at the edge of your seat <laughs> to find out, man. The Derek Lewis, Cyril Gon, who is the interim champion. But there are some very good fights on this card, so I'm not going to be uh, downplaying the show. I'm looking forward to many of these fights uh, on next weekend's card. But Phil, you will be stuck with me next Saturday night, correct? Or are you abandoning uh- us? No, no, I I will be here per usual, and it'll 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 we'll just have to you know do a dance together. Uh, with we, we might get a shorter card. I I think we could get five rounds in the main event, but the rest of the card. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, not... we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, now that I'm looking at this, I could very please well see. please do not put that evil out there, John. Yeah, I, no one all, wants all to watch Munoz five and Kiesa Luque could very well go go the full three, but it's not like we have five. There are three five round fights like we'll have at two sixty six. So it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not just, that possibility. It, yeah, it's just that main event is a bit uh, troublesome. Like sort of you know how that could go, but you never know. You know, styles make fights, and uh, who knows how that one turns out. I actually think I'm actually looking forward to the card as a whole. As I mentioned, I, I think they are good fights, and so I, I think we'll be entertained even if they do go uh, the distance. Yes, it's our latest chance for. Uh, Cyril gone to either win or lose in 60 seconds. So our elusive headline can be used, which will absolutely be used if it happens. And I'm going to give myself a window of like within uh, the first 110 seconds that you're allowed to use gone in 60 seconds. Oh, we'll get it one of those days. And another chance for uh, Jose Aldo to climb back into title contention. It's been too long since he got a title shot. Way too long. Moving back at Bantamweight. All right, that's going to wrap it up. For Eric, Phil, I am John. Thank you for tuning in for our Bellator 263 post show.